For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sam Stokes from the Yank Report is a man possessed with a neatly trimmed beard. And on this episode and interview, God damn it, on this episode and interview with Sam Stokes, we cover everything ranging from Greg Berhalter and the players in the September camp. We talk about his dad's hidden agenda for the MLS and how American fans are going to view the male sports bra that they will see at the World Cup in Qatar. Stay tuned while we talk our shit with Sam Stokes. Peace. Sam Stokes from the Yank Report. <laughs> Sam, how are you, man? Oh, man. I, I don't know how I'm doing. It's been a weird few days. I mean, my fantasy team is in last place in our league, and I've, I've been getting that a lot. And then couple that with this, this disaster of a friendly window that we had. Uh, and it's been... It's been a tough few days, but you know, I'm coping. I'm trying to get through it. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to the gym. I'm talking to people, having lunch with friends, just trying to work through uh, th- this emotional situation that I find myself in right now. It sounds like you're in your mourning period. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just need a few days to recover, get some help from your friends, everyone check in. I think on the these good US news. Fans. The good news was that the Japanese game was so bad that I was just like in such a dump that I was kind of already recovering by the time the Saudi Arabia game came came in. So like I couldn't like go back down, you know, like you were numb already in the midst of recovery, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, for anyone watching, we're we're not going to talk a ton about the in-depth detail of these games. It's been talked about on all of our channels. You can go watch that. Go follow Sam at Yank Report. So, but I want to talk just a little bit more about this window, about our fandom as US M&T fans. So Sam, you put out a tweet about your dad reminding you to watch this game and that people are going to be worried about you and your mental health after watching Japan. So I just want to know, how are your parents feeling after the September camp? Well, I went to uh, my parents' house after the J- Japan game and I was moping around, man. And she could tell something was going on. And like she asked me what was wrong. And, you know, I, I like to say it out loud because it's so ridiculous. So I love like when other people <laughs> laugh at me for feeling about like this way, because like we should be laughed at and made fun of for uh, being as emotionally invested in this team as we are. Uh, we should be ridiculed. We are ridiculous. So I, I like to give people that opportunity. But I told her, uh, the U.S. got rolled over by Japan. It didn't look good at all, and uh, I'm, I'm very upset about that. And she was just like, what? Did you say it like that in your Yank Report voice? I said it something like that, and I said it uh, – I was much more upset than I am right now. I was probably slumped over in a chair or something, <laughs> so it came out um, much more pathetic than, than it just did. And then that's like a few days later or, or like, I, I don't know, I guess my mom talked to my dad or something. And that's when my dad sent me that text that was like, <laughs> it was just a friendly, they're missing a lot of players. There, there's a lot of injuries. Everything's going to be all right. Uh, that, he was trying to be a good dad. 
Yeah, and he the was funny thing to make is, sure his son was was okay. I put out that tweet because uh, I I thought it was kind of funny that like my dad is consoling his adult son over the results of this friendly soccer game. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I thought it would help out a lot of people in the community who were probably feeling the same way I was at the time. Uh, and, and just to give that, you know, a, a father putting his arm around the son kind of feeling. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, and soccer. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Please bet responsibly. But I got like one guy quote tweeted me and said like uh, this one of those like people keeps I keep seeing this opinion but like it's terrible because this this and this and I'm just like this is this is my dad does not have an MLS agenda or like he's not like a, a Burhalter fan or anything like that he doesn't know anything about soccer like he he watches the game sometimes. What he does a lot is like catches replays on like Fox Sports when they show the Gold Cup over, and he'll text me like USA's playing Qatar right now or something like that. I'm like, what what's happening? Uh, so he was just like trying to console me and try to make me feel better. Um, and yeah, we we have a weird community to kind of so, weaponize that and use that to whatever. I don't know. Are you ready to say on record that your dad does not have any MLS or Burhalter agenda? I don't think he does. I haven't talked to him about it. I I don't know if he knows who Greg Berhalter is. I don't think. Uh, I know he watches my videos periodically, but I don't think that he watches the games. Uh, so he, he very well could be um, an MLS supporter. I don't know. Um, whenever I went to an MLS game recently, like he didn't know that Houston had an MLS team. So uh, I don't know how invested he is. I, I think he's in the clear. Okay, sounds like a non-answer to me. Guys in the comments, if you think Mr. Stokes Sr. has an agenda, I, I want to know what agenda that is, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. So I, uh, I hope you're sweating right now, Sam, with, with this investigative journalism. Yeah, I, I don't, I'd love to get to the bottom of it as well. <laughs> nice. So, Sam, something that is happening throughout these two games to me I feel like is it's getting harder and harder to separate how I feel as a content creator and someone that needs to you know get on camera right after these games happen and talk about my thoughts my feelings towards this with my fandom for the squad and just trying to make sure that I stay grounded in the reasons why I actually follow this team and just very generally it's because it's fun Mm -hmm. and it's something to look forward to it's something to connect with other people and i'm finding it harder and harder to manage those two identities i'm curious if you think about that in terms of separating your content creation self with your fandom yeah yeah it is a struggle man especially in this window because the last thing i wanted to do uh after the japan game was like watch it again and put out a video i mean i put out a review video um a few days later like i I literally put it out the 
a day before the Saudi Arabia game. So like in content world, I just didn't have enough time to really get views. But uh, I, I put it out because I felt like, you know, people who watch my channel a lot kind of there, there's people out there that, that care about seeing, you know, what the Yank report has to say about this game. So, you know, we put it out for them and also because it was a cathartic experience. But yeah, like after the Saudi Arabia game, like I didn't want to go on camera and talk about that game. I still haven't rewatched it and I still haven't put out like an in-depth review video about it uh, because you're right. I wanted, I, I wanted, and I have been sort of checking out. I haven't been on Twitter much lately. I've stayed away from uh, the U S soccer subreddit. I haven't watched any soccer YouTube videos or anything like that. I've kind of stayed away from the soccer podcast, which is tough because generally that's like 90% of the media that I consume is like soccer media. Uh, so it is like trying to find <laughs> new ways to entertain myself. Um, but yeah, it, it is difficult, man. I mean, there's times where it's really fun to put out these videos and, and, and have the, the channel and everything and talk about this stuff. Uh, and there's times whenever it's not very fun. And I think uh, after the jet, after this, during this window, after the Japan game, it was not very fun because there was just uh, a lot of really raw emotions in the fan base. And, uh, a lot of people treating each other very poorly, which is something I, I'm never a fan of. Um, it's something I always try to uh, uh, steer people away from. Um, I, I I know that when at the end of the day, uh, eventually the U.S. is going to have a new head coach. Eventually the U.S. is going to have new players. Players come and go. Coaches come and go. All this stuff comes and go. The only thing that really remains is like the fans, you know, and to, to, to burn relationships and to just like go on a rampage and, and scorch earth after a loss. Um, it, it sucks because these are the same people you're going to be interacting with for uh, the rest of your fandom. Uh, and I do think it turns people away and it, it's tough. Uh, I, I, I understand that we need to be able to vent and we need to be able to let out our frustrations, but whenever it, uh, whenever it goes personal and whenever it goes to the point where like, it just sucks to even, sit in the community for a minute because things are so down and negative. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, enough to go after your dad. That's uh <laughs> yeah. Like when, when <laughs> that, people that would turn are anyone off. and going after my dad's soccer takes, like, Oh, uh, <laughs> let's pull back guys. That's where we're at right uh, now. Um, so I'm assuming it must be even more difficult. Uh, I, I have to be honest. I haven't read through your, your in-depth comment section on your videos, but I know you are one of the USMNT guys out there asking, what about the players? Everyone is really focusing on the coach, but you're, you're one person that's kind of just talking about the responsibility of the players that are on the field. So now that you've had a day to just recover, how much do you think some of these results and some of these performances are the coach versus the players? Uh, I think the, the players have a lot more responsibility than people are giving it credit for. Uh, I mean, I, I think I, I did put out a tweet today that kind of went through kind of the peril that we're in as a national team, like looking through like our, our best, I don't know, 15 players, the guys that we're really relying upon. And I don't have it in front of me, but I'll try to do it off the top of my head. Uh, you know, you got Christian Pulisic, who's our guy, uh, we know what Christian Pulisic is going through right now. He hasn't been playing much. He's out of form. He hasn't really looked like superstar Christian Pulisic in a long time. I don't remember the last time. Uh, maybe the Panama game at home in Orlando. 
uh, in World Cup qualifying was the last time we saw like vintage Christian Pulisic. And even then, I don't know if he like really took over that game. Um, it's certainly not at Chelsea for a long period of time. Um, so, I mean, the Christian Pulisic that we got in these last two games is largely the same Christian Pulisic that we've been seeing come in and for substitute minutes at Chelsea. Um, I, I know we're defending him, saying that it's too cool in the system and whatever, but at the same time, whenever he goes out on the field, he's not demanding more minutes with his play. Certainly, I don't think you can say that. Uh, Weston McKinney, who's supposed to be uh, our, maybe our best player, maybe our second best player, certainly the emotional leader, a guy that you can rely upon to – uh, just come up with big plays all over the place, uh, whether that's a big defensive play or a big um, a big set piece or something like that. Uh, we didn't see that over the first two games. Certainly that first game was real rough. And if you look at what's going on with Weston at Juventus right now, I mean, he's been getting criticized heavily for his form at Juventus. Uh, it seems like he hasn't really recovered from that injury truly, uh, that he's back uh, playing, but he's not back to that that form he was in. Uh, last season before he got injured. Uh, Serginho Dest, uh, he got injured for a long period. Gets to, the, 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 the stuff happened at Barcelona. Xavi criticizes him heavily. He ends up going to uh, AC Milan late in the, in the window um, and, and goes in as a substitute and is kind of getting minutes there. Uh, I don't know if he's in his best form right now. I don't think he, he possibly could be. Um, and, 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 you know, form aside, if you think about like the headspace that those three players that I just mentioned are in right now, where Christian Pulisic has just been through an absolute whirlwind um, where, you know, the, the owner of the club has to sell the club because he could potentially be uh, funding a war with the, the funds from Chelsea. Like that's the reason why he had to sell the club. Uh, so that's weird. A new owner comes in, the coach gets fired. He has the meeting. He says, I want out. They don't let him out. He's not playing his best soccer right now. Like his whole world is kind of uh, tumbling out from under him. Weston McKinney, uh, Juventus is, is like mid table right now. Um, they're not playing well at all. Um, the, the, they want to fire the coach. The coach is a big backer of Weston McKinney. Uh, things are not going well for Wes right now. Serginho Des was just told by his dream club uh, that he's not good enough and he's not going to play there and was basically run out of town. Uh, so that's a tough situation to be for a, uh, how old are these guys? 20, 23 year old, 24 yeah. year old athlete, you know, Whew. and we're not done. The list goes right? on. Yeah. We're not done. <laughs> I mean, uh, Zach Steffen and Matt Turner are not getting minutes right now. Uh, Matt Turner, because he's the second choice and Zach Steffen, because we don't know. I mean, there was an injury and he also wasn't playing well and, uh, maybe he's out of favor at that club and he just went to that club because he needed minutes for the World Cup and he doesn't seem like he got them. Uh, Chris Richards is a uh, substitute at Crystal Palace, so he hasn't gotten minutes at all. Luca Della Torre has not gotten many. I mean, Luca Della Torre has gotten like 45 minutes in total since he arrived at Celta Vigo. Uh, he gets to that club. Apparently, they thought he could speak Spanish. He can't speak Spanish. Uh, it's been a weird arrival for him over there. Ricardo Pepe coming off of his massive move to Augsburg, uh, ends up just flopping. I mean, you had to say it was a total flop uh, uh, at Augsburg, and he ends up getting that move to Groningen, but he has to confront the fact that he failed on this uh, journey, and that's a difficult situation to face as a 18-, 19-year-old. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's facing uh, completely failing at this club, and, and I'm not – I'm not I'm not coming down hard on Pepe. I'm just trying to like paint the picture of like where his head is probably at emotionally as an 18 year old. You know, like he, he, he left America to go out and 
um, do all these great things, and, and he was not able to do that. So I'm sure he's feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders. I'm, f- I'm sure he's feeling like he let a lot of people down, and he's kind of carrying that with him. And now he's got probably missing the World Cup like as a part of that. Ooh, and then we get to, I mean, Gio Reyna. You can, I don't, I don't really know where to categorize Gio Reyna. Is he, is, is he out of form? Is he injured? It's, it's, I, looking at these two games, uh, and, and considering what ended up ultimately happening with Gio Reyna, I think that his fitness is something, and, and staying healthy is something that was definitely on his mind the whole time. I mean, in that game against Japan, he was, he just didn't get on the ball very much at all, which is very yeah. unusual for that player. He tends to like really find the game and always look for the ball. Uh, and in the game against Saudi Arabia, I mean, his side of the field didn't see the ball at all. And then after 30 minutes, he asked to come off. So I'm assuming he was in his head uh, this whole camp, like just trying to stay healthy. Whew, I worry then- about those moments. Like when it always seems like when you're trying to not get injured and you're thinking about it is when you get injured, when you don't go to, into a tackle properly or you do something just a little bit different than you usually would. That yeah. always seems to be the trigger for another injury. No, no, you're right. And and I don't think that we saw the Gio Reyna that we thought we were going to see in this uh, window. I think that's pretty fair. Um, and, and I think that that has a large reason why, because he's missed a significant amount of time. Uh, and he's just, he, he's really worried about getting injured again. And speaking of injuries, I mean, let's run through the list, you know, uh, Chris Richards missed due to injury. Um, Jedi Robinson missed due to injury. Eunice Musa missed due to injury. Um, it, it, am I missing anybody? Tim Weah. Tim Weah missed due to injury. I mean, it's a, it's, it's pretty bleak. And in the time that I've been following like Yanks abroad and, and the Americans in Europe, I don't know if there's been a time where so many of our players have either been injured or out of form or out of favor with their club. And so many of them are facing these like these periods in their club where they're either unwanted or they're being, it seems like they're being mistreated or they, they seem very unhappy. And it's just, it's, it's a brutal period right, right now for their club. And, and I feel like a lot of that manifested itself on this national team. I mean, I said before the window coming in in one of the videos that uh, looking specifically at Polisic and McKinney and Des, like what is their headspace going to be? And specifically with McKinney and Polisic, who were two of the leaders um, and emotional leaders of this club and the guys that the rest of the team are going to look to to uh, when the going gets tough to really get going, are they going to have that considering what they're carrying on their shoulders from their club right now? Um, and I think we saw during this window that, they didn't have that and and we lacked that spark. Um, so I, I do feel like a lot of the the pain and vitriol from that we get from the fan base is really um, a real frustration of expectation versus the reality of what we have from these players. I see a lot of people saying like this team is is either um, it, like Burhalter's wasting this 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 super talented team. This is the most talented team we've ever had. Uh, they're underperforming, um, whatever. And and I feel like so much of that is measuring these players against what our expectation was for them at the beginning of this cycle, uh, and not based on where they are right now. Because uh, yeah. very few of these players, I don't know if any of them have measured up to the expectations that we set for them two years ago or four years ago. Uh, they all have kind of fallen short of that, and we really haven't recalibrated our expectations. And I think that's a big part 
of why we're seeing a lot of the uh, performances that we're seeing. Now, I'm not saying that Greg Berhalter has nothing to do with it. I, I do think that he's just not that great of a coach, and, and I don't think that he's going to make this team play greater than the sum of its parts, but I don't think that the sum of its parts are as great and in this moment in time. This could change in two yeah. months. This, this could change rapidly, but I don't think that the sum of that parts is as great as the fan base wants it to be right now. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of these players that are kind of just in weird headspaces. And for the U.S., it seems like Christian Pulisic is a favorite, but for his club team, he might be a villain. And you made a tweet about this as well, about just the fine line between what makes some players favorites versus villains. And I'm just curious to get your take on that. I, I, it's, 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 it's different for every player. It's, it, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I've seen some interesting things specifically about Jesus Ferreira because because Jesus Ferreira is kind of a, a mystery to me as to why like the, the fans treat him the way that they do um, considering he's like a young player in MLS that's doing really well and usually if a player's like under 23 years old and is playing the way that Jesus is playing right now uh, people are excited about that player um, and I've heard some interesting theories like uh, I, I saw one guy say uh, Jesus was not uh, a U.S. international in his youth, and and he he um, nationalized later, so he wasn't able to take part in a lot of the uh, the youth tournaments where we really fell in love with these guys, because uh, he could have been. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure on this, so maybe not, but I f- I feel like he would have been in that age group with uh, Chris Richards and Serginho Dust and Tim Weah um, and Sebastian Soto, uh, Pax and Pomacall, that group in the in the World Cup. Maybe he was a year older. I don't know. But I, if, if he would have been in that tournament, how would we feel about him now versus um, how we actually feel about him? Um, so it's interesting. And, and I understand why the Chelsea fans don't like Christian Pulisic. Like, it doesn't take very long to, to – if you go on the internet or the Chelsea sub or, like, watch any Chelsea game when Christian's playing and see what the American fans are saying to the Chelsea fans and how we kind of just, like, use clubs in America, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. I, I get that, um, but but yeah, that discussion is really interesting to me. I, I brought it up on uh, Alexi Lalas's show in, in his spaces that he actually used in his podcast later. Um, when it comes to Jesus Ferreira, that he's this guy who's like soft spoken and mild mannered, um, and, and doesn't really present himself like a star. Like you don't see that confidence, you don't see that swagger. Uh, what everything that Weston McKinney has, you don't see that in Jesus Ferreira. And I wonder if Jesus Ferreira would like, um, you know, come in and say something in an interview, like, you know, nobody can touch my shit. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to score nine goals on nine chances. I'm the best striker that the U S has ever had. You know, if he had like that kind of, uh, bravado and brazen confidence, how that would affect, uh, the fan base being the exact same player, just changing kind of, um, how he presents himself. You know, you think about somebody like Matthew Hoppy about how fans fell in love with his attitude endeared and himself yeah his flair and falling in love with with that attitude and calling him like the next clint dempsey and stuff like that and really ignoring some uh some issues that that might be lurking beneath and uh how people are still calling for him to be called in and he hasn't played for Mallorca or it's so weird yeah yeah i took a lot of heat for uh kind of kind of Saying, I, I'm at one point. I I'll said, back you up on a Hoppy. Hoppy thing, was like... the most overrated player in the pool, like coming out of the Gold Cup, because P- 
people talked like he was like the next, you know, I don't know, the next Ronaldo or something like that. And it's like, let's slow down, guys. But yeah, the, in, in I, the I think the way that players present themselves has a large impact on how we as fans like uh, think about them, especially yeah. um, in 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 this U.S. men's national team circle, uh, where we really appreciate these certain archetypes of players. And if a player doesn't quite have that, um, they can get it. They can get it from the fan base pretty quick. So I guess someone who embodies that, and this is the last question before we get to more fun stuff, but what is your take on the Pulisic book excerpt about Thomas Tuchel, about his time at Chelsea, while still being an active player at that club? Yeah, and the other thing is he didn't write that book in the last two weeks. You know, he wrote that book a long time ago. So he would have assumed, or you have to assume that at the time that he wrote the book and at the time that he presented it to the publisher and at the time, like all the, all the moving things were happening, uh, there was no expectation that Thomas Tuchel wouldn't be his manager. Like it just sort of turned out that by the time he comes, he goes to release the book, uh, Tuchel gets fired. Like it was a couple weeks after that, that happened. Um, so I would think that they discussed it, that, Tuchel would be aware that that was going to come out, that that would have been um, talked about beforehand. I can't imagine that Christian would put that out into the world. Hoping and praying with his like (laughs) kind of bashing his current manager, you know. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, I've been uh, reading uh, some some books on on the perspective of uh, of professional athletes i did uh, i've been reading the uh the bobby warshaw book on your recommendation there we um, go and getting that perspective on on what it takes to be an athlete and kind of what they go through um and it really i i think um has really informed kind of the way that i think about these guys especially from the headspace standpoint which is why I, I think the fact that these players are going through so much turmoil at that club is, is going to really affect that they, the way that they're coming into the national team. Um, I, I don't know how you get around that, especially for guys so young uh, to handle that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm eager to pick up Christian's book. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to see what a 23-year-old has to say about life. You know, I mean, he's been through some incredible things so far in his, in his young life. Um, but he's he's always been a guy that's like he's ballsy for sure. Um, he's a guy that even though he's not that interesting in interviews and, and doesn't seem like he has that much interesting things to say, he's incredibly interesting as a human being somehow. Um, he, he's a guy that's he's able in the to news ex- a lot for someone that doesn't talk very much. He can ex- he, he 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 doesn't communicate well with his words, but I think he communicates well in other ways. And I think yeah. he, he really gives people a window into his soul um, in, in other ways, other forms of communication. So I, I think that's one of the big reasons why he's just yeah. such a interesting person. I do want to give a shout out to Bobby Warshaw's book, which is called When the Dream Became Reality. And then there's a long second title that I'm not going to read. Um, but I thought it was an amazing book because it's from a perspective of someone who didn't quite make it, who was really close. And that type of headspace to be like your entire life building towards a professional career and having moments where it's seemingly on the flip of a coin, he could have been going to a champions league club and ended up unsigned and and not playing for a few months. So 
it's a great book. It's a great insight into the thoughts and emotions of what these players are going through. And uh, Sam, with that, I have to turn turn our topics towards our jerseys, towards the Nike kits. And I remember when I first had you on the channel, the 2021 jerseys had just come out and you you had come from a design background. I remember when that came out, there was a backlash from the community and you kind of said, hold on, wait until we see them on the players. We might feel differently when that happens. Now that we've seen both of the 2022 kits on these players, how do you feel? I I think I feel the same about the 2022 kits. I mean, I still like the 2021 kit. I have it and I, I uh, look at it a lot and I enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, the kit thing is one of these things that if you're not a, a diehard U.S. Men's, men's national team fan, you might not understand why people are so upset. And the reason why people are so upset is not just because of the design of the jersey and, and what it actually looks like. The reason why they're so upset is because American soccer fans are used to being second-class citizens. They're used to being not catered to. They're used to just being an afterthought. And the one place in American sports where you feel like the U.S. men's national team should be front and center is like with the jerseys, right? Like you understand that you're not going to get top billing on Sports Center or in like the whatever else, you know, ESPN's Twitter account's not going to tweet about soccer. But when it comes to our actual jerseys, you would hope that with Nike, a company that's in America, that the US jersey would be something that Nike wants to be proud of. You know, it should be a showpiece for Nike. It should be something that really showcases um, the the history and the passion and the pride of American soccer. So whenever you end up with a with a kit that looks exactly like PSG's warm up kit, that's just like it looks like uh, you know it looks like a boilerplate kit that they just stamp the U.S.'s colors in, and you could tell that there's nothing unique or interesting about it you get all those feelings of, uh, of being a second class citizen and being an afterthought, uh, that all comes back. Uh, so it's a, it's an emotional thing, you know, and whenever you see the, the, the tie dye shirt and it's just like, what is this, what is this even about? You know, I'm like what you really want as an American soccer fan, what the fans want is the fans want to look at the Jersey and feel some connection to, either the country or why we care about this national team or the history of the national team, or we want to see that the people who design the shirts care that they care about this, this team and the history of this team and this, this, this country. And you know, that, that whenever you see that Jersey, that you understand exactly what team that you're looking at. Uh, And we didn't get that. And that's frustrating. You make some really good points. And I would even say, even within the jersey design, soccer took a backseat to other sports. Nike specifically called out that they took uh, the Nike logos and putting it backwards on the sleeves from NFL jerseys and and American football jerseys. So even in the kits itself, soccer is second. You look at like the Mexico uniform and it's just like beautiful. And it's just, you see the, the, the historic kind of Aztec art in it. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's Mexico jerseys are always great. 
And you just you just don't get that with the American jersey. And it's frustrating because I know we don't have like a a great history, a, a great rich American soccer history and tradition, but we do have some design elements that are iconic. And we do have a flag that is iconic. Uh, and our best jerseys ever, I think, have incorporated the design, some design features from that flag. You know, um, the U.S. has some uh, has some problematic history and a lot of the symbols that represent uh, the United States historically have kind of been co-opted to represent different things. Uh, so there is uh, some some tough waters to step through as a designer when kind of uh, looking for um, representation and symbols and stuff for, for the U.S. But they are out there and we know that they're out there because people on the internet have designed incredible jerseys. And I, I forget the guy's name who designed the three jerseys, but I plan on getting all of them, especially that black and gold declaration of independence Jersey, which is just I think phenomenal. It's Olive and York, Olive and York. Does that sound right? I We're going to look it up. We're going to get their name, right? It's it's uh, Olive and York would be a company that he partnered with. He He's the designer. Gotcha. His name's Ben something. I don't remember, but yeah. Um, I mean, the, his, his, the way that he incorporated the de- Declaration of Independence in a uniform like that um, just shows that creativity, shows that you uniquely American, and, and it just it, it, it spoke to you, and it, it filled you up with pride, and, and you want to see your guys wearing that and representing the U.S. in that. And comparing that to this boilerplate kit that we got it is frustrating, man. It's really frustrating. Yeah, Nike needs to hire uh, Joe Schmo from from those jersey designs to to get on that team it's not like nike has bad designers no and it's not like nike like all their kits were bad they designed some phenomenal kits man i mean some countries got great ones even other red white and blue countries got some great kits but uh one more question about some fashion in soccer do you think the new American fans will be able to take to the male sports bra that soccer players wear. Yeah. I put out that tweet and it, it, it kind of, it blew up, man. I don't know how many likes it got at this point, but uh, a lot. How of are you ready to deal with that? What, what happens when your dad texts you and asks you about uh, the sports bra and his new agenda? It's going to be a topic of conversation for sure. I mean, it's going to be a super easy thing for people to pick on because I, I was kind of thinking about it and, uh, even somebody tweeted me saying that they came out in 2013. So uh, I, I know we missed the 2018 World Cup. So maybe if they were there for 2014 briefly, maybe people saw them. But they're so ubiquitous now. Uh, like every single player has them. Um, and, and they're so um, casual about taking off their shirts and kind of showing them now. Uh, so if, if you didn't see the 2018 World Cup and you only watch soccer during the World Cup when the U.S. is playing – uh, you're gonna notice these uh, these sports bras, and it's gonna be just another like easy target for people to pick on soccer. Uh, so eight, eight years is a long time. I'm sure a lot of people forgot or uh, didn't even acknowledge. But okay, if that's something we have to uh, not look forward to from this World Cup, just give us some hope, Sam. After these September friendlies, looking forward to the World Cup. Yeah, I think the hope is that so many of our players suck right now. I mean, there's so many of our players are in terrible spots uh, <laughs> and it can't get much worse, man. So there is hope that over the next two months, you know, Christian's got a new manager and there might be changes at Chelsea as far as how he's played. Maybe he can find some rhythm. Maybe he can grow into that that team. 
uh, and regain some form and, and kind of get back to uh, a player that's going to have a big impact on this squad. You know, maybe same thing for Weston McKinney. I don't know what the future holds for Allegri and Juventus, uh, but hopefully two months from now, 50-whatever days from now, uh, Weston looks a little bit more like the uh, the old Weston, the Weston that dominated the uh, the, the USA-Mexico Dos Acero game. Um, and the same can be said for Gio Reyna. Uh, 50 days might do him a world of good. Maybe we see him. Um, I understand that, that Tim Weah is, is close to return. Um, so that guy will be a major shot in the arm for this squad. Uh, Serginho Dest, maybe he can settle in. Maybe he can gain back some confidence, kind of get back to form, get back to kind of where he was before he got injured. Um, and then a lot of these players that had injuries that missed the window, uh, they were minor injuries. So Yunus Musa, I think he's already um, on the on the way back. I think it was just like a minor thing that if, if it was the actual World Cup, he probably would have played. Uh, Jedi Robinson seems to be back. Um, so a lot of these players are, are coming back. A, a lot of the um, a lot of the players that that haven't been playing well have have some opportunities, some runway to get better. Because uh, I do believe it's going to be the majority of these players that are going to be in the World Cup. Um, so it can get better. It can. And it's three games. And I don't think that these players are going to come in emotionally flat to the World Cup. I, I think that they're all going to be coming in locked in. Um, and, and I do think that they're going to be um, at least emotionally better. Because I think that was one of the biggest frustrations coming away from this this two-game window is just the lack of emotion on the field. I mean, that Japan game started so flat, and then the Saudi Arabia, Arabia game, I mean, after after about a half hour, like you could see the players just kind of drift out of it, man. I mean, they, they were not locked in. Yeah. And whenever you saw the subs come on, like Ferreira and Scali and Areola, uh, they brought energy, and they were kind of getting after it. And, and you do wonder, like, if the rest of the club was playing at that speed, at that level, uh, and really going at this this team, would they be – uh, we, we'd be in a different spot over these, this two-game window. So uh, the emotion of the World Cup will lift these players, and hopefully we'll get some of these guys in form. We'll get them playing soccer again. We're, we'll get them in a better headspace, and, and it'll be a better U.S. men's national team because of it. That is some premium copium for everybody watching. You do have something to look forward to, something to feel hopeful about. So Sam Stokes, Yank Report. Yeah, I think you're moving into national treasure category. National Treasure, tell the people what you're working on, where they can find you, and maybe something about Since 76 Apparel. Oh, man. So this is the new uh, home studio. I've been working on it um, a lot over the past few months. I mean, whoa, full screen. Hey, I built this desk that this thing is sitting on. I built some sound panels that are on the wall, so that took a while. And I've been slowly uh, accumulating things to, uh, to put this production on. Um, so I'm excited to have this because I plan on doing a uh, weekly live show that's going to have uh, call-ins and just all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, so I got a producer on board and and uh, really looking to get that off the ground and get that moving. I'm hoping to start on that next week. Um, as far as the Yank Report, we're definitely going to be here. We're definitely going to keep covering. We're definitely going to be doing the road to Qatar um, with, with uh, all the players, kind of what they did that weekend and how that could potentially impact the, the national team. Um, in November and then during the World Cup I plan on like really going uh, balls to the wall as far as coverage um, so a lot there uh, with since 76 we're gonna uh, 
We're doing uh, monthly design releases. I, I'm not like 100% sure what we're doing during the World Cup. I know there's a lot of people that have requested certain designs to come back. Um, and, and there's certain designs that I have ready for. Yeah, you got the Kings of CONCACAF. There's certain designs I have ready for the World Cup. So um, looking for that to be a really fun experience and really uh, getting a lot of U.S. soccer gear in the fans' hands uh, during that. Nice. Well, thanks for premiering your new home studio for us on It's Called Soccer. Great of you to do that. <laughs> I sort of premiered it already, but mm. I got, I, this is the first time I got the, the camera. So the camera's set up, and I got um, like I really went in on the background. Sam, I got to take my wins where I can get it right now. So I'm calling it a premiere. You, you saw it here first, Yank Report in his home studio with his new camera. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for giving us some hope. And we will see you next time on It's Called Soccer.